Hi, this is Lewis Black, and uh, you're listening to PF's tape recorder. I don't know how you got to be able to listen to it, but and, and that he even has a tape recorder at this point in our time is really extraordinary because there are better things for, to listen to stuff on. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Sean Patton. It's different over there. They have a, they, there they, uh, they watch comedy like a play. You know, you hear all these stories about, like, you know, British hecklers and Scottish people yelling at you. That's 100%. They're a little more refined than we are. I feel like the worst heckling situation you're ever going to deal with would be in America. We hear more from Sean in just a bit. Song of the Week is from Ollie Murs. And instead of a dumb bit, I'm going to editorialize a little bit. Coming up. So I decided to call an audible. Hopefully you folks uh, didn't skip ahead when you heard I was going to editorialize. I'll editorialize just for a brief second here. Uh, Of course, we're just a week out of the election. And like I told Tim Slagle, I would not be surprised if Mr. Trump won. And Tim had some great insight. He said that people were probably saying in those polls that, you know, oh, yeah, I'm not going to vote for Mr. Trump. And they went and turned right around and voted for Mr. Trump. But uh, anyway, I will say this. And then we're going to get to um, a kind of a reworked uh, dumb bit, which I'll explain in a second. Um, you know, we're in the situation we're in. And uh, unlike, you know, four years ago and eight years ago, uh, when the black guy won, uh, we're not going to sit here and be like, oh, we want him to be a failure and we're going to block everything. And, you know, I mean, he's got some crazy ideas, you know, make no mistake. But, um, you know, let's, we don't want him to fail. If he fails, we're ruined. We're all doomed. So maybe some of these crazy ideas will work. Maybe we don't need environmental controls. Maybe you're, maybe we should let Wall Street play with your Medicare and your Social Security. Who knows? But, um, so we'll see. You know, hopefully calmer heads will prevail and they'll, you know, really look closely at what they're doing, but I don't think so. You know, we can fix things in two years, hopefully, take back the house. But anyway, um, I was doing my podcast classes, which actually I'm recording this right now, and uh, the students have left, but earlier uh, we finished up doing our work a little earlier, and uh, we had been talking about the election, and uh, they had some thoughts on it. So I thought I'd get the uh, opinions of some 12- and 13-year-olds and just kind of how they saw the election and uh, what their thoughts are on it. And here's that, and then we'll move on to the interview with Sean Patton. So I'm here with my podcasting class, and uh, I asked them earlier while we were working if they enjoyed the election, and everybody kind of grumbled, so I thought I'd get everybody's opinion. Uh, first of all, who supported uh, Secretary Clinton? Okay. All right. Who supported Mr. Trump? <laughs> really? <laughs> Dimitri raised his hand. All right. Really interesting. How about you, Hamish? Did you... We're really following any? Okay, because you said you weren't really following it too closely. Okay, very good. Well, I guess, Dimitri, the fall's on you. Why did you support Mr. Trump? And it's fine. We're not I heard that he would allow, um, oh, I forget what the, um, abortion. I just don't like that. Okay. I just didn't like He's anti. Okay, that's fine. I, I can, and, and I've said on my show before, I get the argument on that issue. That's, that's a, a thing where I think people can have a, a, a discussion about. I don't think that's a, an issue where, where people are, um, some people say people are crazy on both sides. I don't. I don't think so. Okay, that's that's fine. All right. And then yes, sir. I don't really like him. I feel that he's somewhat a white supremacist in many ways. He he wants to get Im- immigrants out of the country. Yep. Yep. And they need homes. I mean. Yeah. I don't think you should. Just or a country made of immigrants. I could see maybe starting to have higher security 
for illegal immigrants. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I still don't think he should try to send the ones that are yeah. already here out. Right. Right. But yeah. you should let yeah. the ones that are already here stay. Yeah. And let the sincerity of families and stuff, but not let a lot more in. I can see that. With most illegal immigrants, they're here to get jobs to support their families. And most illegal immigrants actually die, and they're taking a huge risk because yes. they have to hire coyotes. Yeah. And you don't know if the coyote who's the person smuggling you across the border is trustworthy or if they're going to get you across the fence and then just leave you in the desert. This is what I always say. If you can go through all that to get here and you make it here, I think that says a lot. You need to be here. We could use you. Yeah, you can, we could use you somewhere. All right. You could be a spy. All right, so what do you guys think of, uh, how do you guys think the next four years are looking? Are you, I mean, you guys are all... I, I say yeah. impeachment in our future. You think impeachment in our future? Gabriella says impeachment in our future. That's great. Um, you just have no idea. I think it's going to be okay. I don't really think Donald Trump can make a huge change in four years. Yeah, I don't think he can do it. It would take a long time, I think, to get well, all these immigrants out. It would take longer than four and years. And people have said that. Yeah, it's a good point. See, well, if he gets reelected, like in eight years, he could do it. Well, the concern is they're soon going to he the both houses of Congress are under control of the Republicans. He's the White House now will be in control of and the Supreme Court. He'll appoint well, the ninth judge to break the ties and anything. So they'll control. Everything, and that's the big fear is that all this stuff they have planned, which may or may not be good ideas. We don't know. We'll see. Maybe they're going to try and. Well, from what I've heard, that with Trump's whole thing, he's not. He doesn't like Obamacare. No. No, no. And there are problems with it, to be fair. It's not, to be fair, it's, it's not perfect. That's fine. But there's all kinds of very good things that no. help with. Yeah, it's gotten more people insurance than it hasn't gotten. Right. And a lot of states are relying on it. it yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and what were you saying, Gabrielle? I was, like, I was saying I think it's just wrong because of all the like business attempts like he had that failed. And yeah. he's going to control America. Oh, that's like, another thing. Big, big conflicts of interest. Until, like, the, I think January 20th. That's right. Roughly, yeah. I mean, it's wrong. It's wrong to get people to build you this hotel and then be like, and then just file bankruptcy and say, sorry, I can't pay you. Yep. And then they're not going to spend all this money to knock it down or something. They're not going to spend all that money. It's going to be millions to take it all down. So mm -hmm. I think, what can we do? There you go. We can't take it back. And we can't really hurt anyone or destroy anything around it. So it's going to be impossible. That uh, So once you do that, then it's kind of his and they can't do anything about it. You shouldn't be able to get people to do your work and then just file bankruptcy. Cool. Well, great. Yes. Since he built a hotel, files bankruptcy, no one gets paid. Now look at how America's gonna be gonna. Ha now look at what's gonna happen to America from a person yeah. who controls their company like. Well, that. people always say you know you should run America like a business, and people don't understand the government's not a business. But now we're gonna find out maybe why that's not a good and maybe it will be a good idea. Let's, well, let's then he's just gonna let's take our taxes and say sorry. Well, let's not put it this way. When President Obama <laughs> took office, there were those people who said, we're not going to help him. We want him to be a failure, and we hope that he does fail. And wow. I think we all know who those people were. <laughs> and uh, with Mr. Trump, I think we're now, now it's kind of on the, the people that didn't support Mr. Trump maybe saying the same thing. But we don't want that. I mean, hopefully some of these wacky ideas he has will work. Let's hope so, uh, especially for you folks. Trump plays you, game. Just a game. What's that? He has a game. He has a game. He
He has a game? I saw his yeah, game. he has a game. Oh, okay. It's Steam. Okay. Well, yeah, um, yes. Well, you guys all seem pretty informed and, and pretty up, uh, pretty uh, savvy about what's going on, so I would just advise you to stay informed uh, through your young lives, and hopefully when you're in a position, what, you guys are around 12, 13, right? Reckon in there? Okay, so in six years you'll be able to vote. So you'll be able to vote in the next congressional election, but you'll be able to vote in possibly, well, maybe the next presidential election, because you still be 16. But at least you'll be able to do, you know, do stuff, volunteer, and, you know, whatever side you're on, uh, it, you know, at least you'll be able to, at least you'll be informed. As long as you're informed, that's the thing, I guess. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot. Sean Patton is a comedian originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, now making his home in New York City. Here now is our interview with Sean Patton. is uh, what's new with you? I know we spoke uh, last fall and you were kind of changing up your set a little bit um, and being more in the moment, maybe doing you know more different shows within a week at certain clubs, but a little wary of doing the crowd work, I think is where we left off. Um, wait, wait, how, how I, I'm sorry, what, how I was doing crowd work when I left off? No, we were we were discussing it, and you said you were kind of reluctant to do that, even though you like to change up your set now, uh, night to night. In, uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah. So just wondering, uh, how you, are you wondering if I'm if I'm if I'm doing crowd work these days? Yeah, or just how your set is going, how how the how the set has developed, you know, since we since we spoke um, last. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, I feel good about it. It's kind of um, it's sort of like a. Uh, it's, a, it's it's its own beast. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta some some people some people when they make a set it's like a robot and or a machine. You know, it functions a certain way, you know, when you flip this switch this thing happens and you put grease and oil in that tube and gasoline in that hole and it functions. Some people a set's like uh you know, you birth an animal and you just gotta you know, you can train it, you can feed it, you can Set it with a brush, but you gotta let it roam, and, you know. So it's, I, I, I think I'm more of someone who gives birth to an animal. I get envious of the people who can build a set like a machine, but at the same time, I know uh, if you let the if the animal grows up to be something amazing, you know, a beautiful, amazing animal that roams free and awes people, then you know it's worth it. I know that's a crazy, uh, long-winded metaphor, but you know. Uh, it's sort of a, I don't know, I, I, I kind of like, I like, like, like you said like last time, I like to be in the moment. I like to let, let the moment take me where it will be. But you never know. It, it, that, that is the truth. You really, as long as you do it, as many times as you do it, you simply never know what that moment's going to dictate. But with material, I try and, I try and keep it to me. I, I try and keep it on stage, I don't. I, I still don't enjoy giving too much to the audience as far as like leeway, you know, because the audience not show up to the show to watch an audience member mouth off nonstop. You know, they watch. Yeah. They came to watch a comedian mouth off nonstop. Really. <laughs> so, um, 
So yeah. what, what's new with you, man? Are you still in New York City? What's uh, what's happening? Yeah, I'm in New York, uh, touring a lot, going overseas a lot more, um, which has been great. Um, just really, I mean, I, I really do wish I could say I had, you know, all these projects in the works, but right now the only project I really have in the works is me. And sometimes that's, you know, acting in an occasional thing. Sometimes that's, you know, uh, shooting, uh, you know, sketches or something. But, you know, mainly it's just working on the set, working on material, working, you know, consistently pushing to get better and better as a comedian because you can't, you can't ever say you've reached your pinnacle because if you say that, then you have. And yeah. then what? You know? You gotta keep going, keep climbing. So where have you been going overseas? Uh, the UK, uh, oh, mainly. Nice. Going to, doing a lot of shows in England, doing shows in Scotland, Ireland. Oh. It's, it's different over there. They have a, they have a, they, there they, uh, they watch comedy like a play. Like they're a little more, you know, you hear all these stories about like, you know, British hecklers and Scottish people yelling at you. That's 100% false. Like, they're very, they're a little more refined than we are. I feel like the worst heckling situation you're ever going to deal with will be in America. Because, you know, here we're a little, here we're a little more, um, encouraged to speak our minds. Yeah. Whereas overseas, they're not, not encouraged to speak their minds. They're just sort of encouraged to also be polite about it. Ah, there you so, go. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you'll get, you know, a British person every now and again will say something in the vein of a hackler, and you just sort of, you can shut them down real easy by just being louder than that, which is easy. It's funny, because when uh, I said I was going to call you, I didn't even realize you'd been to Britain so much, and I said, in, in the, 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 how the British would say, I'll call you at, at half, uh, from half 12, as they uh, would say on radio. Uh, <laughs> half 12, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so kind of an obvious question, but uh, do you change your set much when you go over there, or do you get inspired to do comedy in a slightly different way, or do you just do they like your Americanness over there and you go with that? I actually, yeah, I don't. I stay my I, no, I don't change. I don't. I think that's a mistake a lot of Americans make uh, when they go overseas. They think they have to spend the first 20 minutes of their set panning to the audience about like, oh, so you guys have uh, Starbucks here too. Well, we, it's like they don't give a shit. They know everything about our culture they're fully aware of. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's vice versa too, though. Because I've seen numerous British, Irish, Scottish comedians come over here and be like, oh, did you know Americans, you're obese, and oh, you're... It's like, shut the fuck up. We know. We know all of this. You're not opening up. You're not blowing any minds right now, buddy. You're just being another idiot. Like, yeah, so I find when I go over there, I don't even act like I'm over there. I get on stage and I'm just like, there's a thing on in my head. I don't treat it like, oh, here I am, the American in London. Uh, you know, I'm just like, yeah, here I am. Anyway. Is, is what I'm thinking. And I find that uh, that works because you know, you're not, I'm not talking down to them or pandering to them or trying to play up my Americanness. I'm just trying yeah. to like, you're like, oh, here I am, human being just like you. 
Right. Well, it comes down to being you know just, just true to your art. You know, you can't you can't really yeah, drive by people whether they're in you know Cincinnati or Minnesota or, or London. So uh, that, yeah, that's yeah. Thing, yeah. So what kind of things are you talking about on stage these days? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm staying true to my um, my 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 sort of coda as far as I'm I talk about life through my perception, and because that's really the best thing I can offer. I can't I can't tell you who the right person to vote for is, even though I, I think you know we should all know who that is. <laughs> and I say that I can imagine that. The, 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 the very, the very, uh, depending on who's lifting, like, yeah, we know who that is, or yeah, we know who that is. Like, yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ, yeah. never ending. Um, I mean, I can just tell you what I think. And that's, I think that's, that's the thing I don't, I, I, a lot of comedians make the mistake of, and I just, you know, I don't like to trash talk anyone, but like, it, you know, I watch a lot of people go on stage and just, they, they speak like their opinion is the word of God. And you know, and it, and it becomes it gets preachy. And I don't like preaching. I try to never preach on stage because it's just boring after a few minutes. I try and just explain on stage. I get up there and say, you know, this is me. This is all through my vocal. If you agree with it, fine. But or not, I don't give a shit. If you're laughing at it, that's all I care about. I'm here to entertain. I'm here to open your mind up by making you laugh at them. And I, I, so it's hard to say like what specifically I talk about on stage. I don't, it could be anything, depending, you know, lately, lately I've been writing a lot about what it's like being, you know, I'm in my late thirties now. I'm talking about that a lot more, but not in that way of like, I'm old and this is what that's like. More like in a, this is a different chapter in my life and it's interesting. Here, let me tell you about it. So you don't freak out about it when you get to there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting because um, you know, one of the things that uh, I hear, we hear from a lot of guys and gals actually is that, you know, as you get older, you have this body of experience behind you where, like, when you're in your 20s, you talk about going out and partying and getting drunk and picking up girls, and that's really about it. But then as you get more and more life experience, more things kind of open up to you. Yeah, yeah. And you realize that, like, the partying, drinking, picking up girls, etc part of life is really like if that if that's the end all be all to you then you know then you're probably a drug support but, <laughs> but like it's 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 there's so much more to everything and it gets crazier than that that's the thing like going out drinking and trying to get laid like that's it's, that's mild compared to some of the crazy nights I've had as a thirty-something-year-old, you know what I mean? Like, it's it gets life gets crazier and more adventurous if you let it. It doesn't have to end at three a.m. at a bar trying to get somebody to go home with you. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's more to it than that. What kind of crazy things have you discovered in your thirties? Well, I think uh, sort of like uh, <laughs> um, I don't want to give the bit away right here, but okay. basically. I, uh, you know, I've had nights where, in my 30s, where if I had told myself as a 25-year-old man, like, hey, this is going to happen. You're going to, you're going to experience this uh, situation. I'd have, I'd have, as a young man, been like, no way, man. 
No, uh, okay. I'm not a fucking. I'm not like that. I ain't some weirdo. No, I'm not into that shit. But I, but I would have been saying that as a young man because as a younger, you know. Uh, and also, but I also think that's what's interesting. Today's today's twenty five year olds are a little more open minded and a little more. Uh, you know, they don't. They're not as. I grew up in the nineties when it was still a little. You know. You had to deal with one side of the fence or the other, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like nowadays, it's like, no, nah, everyone's a little more accepting and open. And I've, definitely, I've discovered, you know what I've discovered the most in, in my 30s? Is that people are people. Is that we're all, you know what I mean? Like, that at our core, we really are human beings that all want the same thing. Yeah. And we are the ones who put all the bullshit in our heads. And we're the ones who tell ourselves, you know, it's... It, 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 it's crazy because I feel like lately, in the past few years, I've learned more about being a person than I have ever, you know, it's been like for in a decade. And it's really eye-opening. I like talking about that shit on stage. If it makes some people uncomfortable, that's, that's their problem, you know? For the most part, I feel like it makes people more comfortable than anything. Do you think that as, as we are more connected, particularly through social media and stuff like that, that... As as older guys, because I'm like, and you know, a good 15 years older than you even. And then, uh, do you think that like it's making older folks more connected to the younger folks and more sympathetic, and vice versa? That maybe the younger folks realize, oh well, this is going to happen to me. Or do you think we're still pretty much the same as we've always been? No, I think social media helps. I mean, social media helps and hurts because I mean, for the most part, you know, you got. Uh, you got kids who, if they lose their phone and don't have GPS and texting, they'll never, they don't know how to meet up with their friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, like I, like I seriously, I seriously overheard this. Like, um, a, fr- a friend of mine's younger sibling, uh, had that exact scenario happen. They like, they dropped their phone in the toilet. They couldn't. In a toilet, they couldn't use text, they couldn't use UPS, and they were like, well, what am I supposed to do? Just, like, we email them and decide on a meeting place and just meet them there mm-hmm. at some certain time? And I was like, yes! Why? <laughs> wait, have you never done that? Have you never just agreed upon, like, hey, I'll meet you at this coffee shop at 2? Have you never done that? And then just hours later met someone without having to text them constantly? And GPS got a gift? six blocks from here? And then, no, because there's a generation that grew up with a cell phone in their hand. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They grew up with a smartphone in their hand. They don't understand not being connected. And they have that thing where they're just on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram or on Snapchat or whatever the next thing, you know, flip, flip down or whatever the next fucking dumb social thing that makes everyone that much more accessible to you will be. So they're looking at their fucking phones all day and they're not really experiencing human interaction. And then when they're faced with human interaction, they don't have any idea what to do about it except live tweet it. And that's the bad side of social media, that social media is slowly but surely removing, sucking out every ounce of humanity from us individually. However, as a social consciousness, it's injecting that humanity back in there because these are the same people who will, you know, live tweet something, you know, social injustice that will 
pull out their phones and film, you know, police brutality and put on that who will kind of, you know, call out each other, call out things for racism or sexism and kind of shed a light on that, thus making everyone a little more socially conscious. However, the bad side to that is now anytime you do anything in life, anyone who runs for any office, anyone who, you know, puts out any... I don't know, uh, scrap the publication or put out a video or get a book for Saturday Night Live. Now you've got these social justice warriors digging through their past on social media looking for, you know, a, a tweet five years ago where that person, you know, used the word, uh, you know, bike or something. And now it's like, oh my God, can you believe this person said that? What a monster. And it's like, dude, like, if you've never made a mistake, you're not a person I trust. That's straight up. If you're a, if you're someone who's never said something awful or thought something shitty, then you're not a human being. You're a fucking android. Go away. Like, but then at the same time, maybe those people find something worthwhile. Maybe they dig through someone's social media past and actually find a time where that person tweeted out, like, the KKK is right. And then, like, okay, that bam, found it. You don't deserve to be in a place of authority. So it's like, it's a, it's a very, very, very sharp quadruple-edged blade. But it's where we live now. It's, it's the life we're in. And so I feel like it's just like real life itself. It has to be treated with care and balance, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's weird too that their fallback is uh, is email, something that uh, that really only came into being as you were growing up, and something that uh, I didn't have at all when you know we right. had we had a, a landline and that was it. <laughs> you had to track yeah, down I mean, your friends. I, I, yeah, I remember. I, I mean, I can remember. I remember being instructed on how to do, uh, to to have my first email address. I remember like, okay, so I just any name I want <laughs> and then it was set up and that was when I was a teenager like yeah. some of these kids had never not had email you know yeah the digital digital natives they call them um yeah. well, well cool man always a pleasure uh talking to you getting caught up and um you know, have uh have fun up there in Minneapolis I'm sure we'll see you down here in Cincinnati as well because I think you were in last year you were in Cincinnati almost immediately after you were in Minneapolis I think so um <laughs> There you go. All right, perfect. Well, yeah. great, man. Have fun in Minneapolis and uh, and continued success. Thank you, I'll right. talk to you soon. Thanks, Sean. Bye bye. Thanks again to Sean Patton for being on the show. You can catch Sean in Minneapolis at the Acme Comedy Company, and that is Tuesday, November 15th through Saturday, November 19th. All right, so uh, we're going to skip the credits for this week. Don't feel like doing them. Go back and listen to to a past episode. uh, Cherry pick through them if you like, and uh, see if there's something you dig there. Uh, Song of the Week is from Ollie Murs. It is a song called Grow Up. And uh, boy, I really love Ollie Murs a lot. He's he's not on in this country, as they say, in Britain. But um, uh, Megan Trainer ripped off one of his songs, and uh, I'm surprised he's not bigger here because he's got that that poppy top 40ish chart friendly sound. But um, his new single is called "Grow Up." It's our song of the week. PF tape recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. I thought about you the other day. 
What the hell happened with you and me? Cause oh, ain't no loving no more You ain't as cool as you used to be Closer to the mirror than you are to me I said oh, had to show you that door Someday I hope we can fix it Cause I ain't too proud to try Say hi to your friends and if they ever ask you why We don't talk No, you gotta grow up Ain't you sick of being immature? Talking loud cause you're insecure You always turn it up, turn it up, turn it up Come on, why you always gotta show up? It's something that I already know That when you hear this on the radio You're gonna turn it up, turn it up, turn it up Cause it's all about you Be out of your mind